Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Good morning to you again. Um, welcome to those of you listening in on our podcast. We, we pray that this will be a blessing to you as we open God's Word together. Um, as we were just singing about the great name of the Lord and you know how Satan has to leave at the name of the Lord and, and uh, uh, in Psalms, and I don't remember the reference, one place in Psalms it says, talking to God, it says you have magnified your word above your name. Thank you. I was guessing that, but I wasn't sure. So, um, if the name of Jesus is powerful and he's magnified his word above his name, how powerful is what we're just about to do? We're opening God's word together. We want to hear from God. We talked about that last week, being open and and being actively participating, listening for the voice of God as, as we open his word together. The enemy does not want to happen what can happen here in this next half hour or so. He does not want you to listen for the voice of God. He does not want you to surrender your will to him. He does not want us to engage here. But we're going to do it. Okay? To the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his working in our lives. Uh, we are beginning a new sermon series on, uh, from, taken from uh, Peter's second letter. And the name of the series is entitled On the Road to Heaven. Because uh, Peter, uh, in his first letter, was talking about, um, uh, really, I'm so lots of things, but he was talking about don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to live these things. Don't be surprised when these hard things happen. And so he tells us how to hang in there. And then we get to the second letter, and it's more like Peter's coming down with an awareness toward the end of his life. And now he starts, okay, look, we're, here's where we're headed. We're headed this place in eternity. And, and so, there's some things you need to focus on, some things you need to understand. And that is what we're going to look at on this sermon series, On the Road to Heaven. Um, let's let Peter actually introduce this sermon series. Uh, turn to 2 Peter, chapter 1. If you need a Bible, pull one out, out from right at the chair there and turn to page 1395. That's where we'll be today. 1395. And I said, I said, let Peter introduce this sermon series to us. We're going to start in verse number two of chapter one. Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So let's just stop there for just a moment. It says here, his divine power, his working in our lives, he has given to us what? Has given what? To us all things. Everything that you and I need to live life the way God wants us to live it, to live life the way we have been designed to live it, to live a life that is godly. Everything we need, God has given it to us. There's nothing that he has not made available to us that we need. And it starts right here in his word. He's given us his spirit within us. He's given us each other, the church, the gifts in the church, uh, and he's given us his word. And so uh, 
He's given us all things. And here's, he talks about the word here, verse four. He says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he's, he's reminding us of what God is doing for us. And he says he's given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Where do we find the exceedingly great and precious promises? Right? Right here. These are all the things that he said. These things he's told us is true about us. Things that he's told us is true about him. Things he's told us is true about the world. Things that he's told us, you do this, I will do this. This principle, this truth, on and on it goes. He has given us these exceedingly great and precious promises. And he says, for this purpose, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. So let's, let's, let's just think about that just a little bit. The moment you or I come to Christ, right, we reach that point where we realize we need a savior, and so we open our hearts up to the Lord and say, yes, I believe you died for me, rose again, I, I receive you as savior. That moment when we do that, God himself moves in, right? God himself moves in, takes up residence in our spirit. Um, so in some sense, have we already received the divine nature? I'm not, that's not a trick question today. Yes, we have, right? The divine nature is there. But does the divine nature have all of us? Oh, no, not by a long shot, right? There's lots of areas that have not been affected by his presence in our lives that we need to grow in and learn in. And so this is what he's saying, that the word of God, these exceedingly great and precious promises, all the things that he has told us here, he has given us, and as we learn them and begin to live by them and yield ourselves to them and let God have his way in our lives through these, that more and more we partake of the divine nature. More and more what Jesus is like becomes what we become like. More and more the way God says things are, we see things that way. And so um, this is how we become more and more like Christ. And with the end result being that we escape the corruption that's in this world and all the sinful desires that are there. Um, and we need God to do that in our lives, don't we? If you watch the news, if that is our destiny, what hope do we have? We're not, that's the, the corruption that's in the world, right? And all the sinful desires that go along with it. But that's not where our destiny comes from. Our destiny comes from the Lord and what he has told us here. And so he has given us his word. And so see what we're doing here today really, really matters. Uh, the last part of this chapter, Peter talks about the word and he says, hey, we heard the voice of God from heaven. The, the Mount of Transfiguration, he says, we heard God's voice. He says, you know what? We have something that's even more sure than our hearing of the voice of God. We have the written word of God, settled forever, okay? So this is what we're looking at here. Now, Peter is one of the authors that God used to do this. Let's jump down to verse number 12. And so here's, here's this uh, kind of overview of where he's going in this book. He says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Now, so I'm gonna remind you even though you what? You already know it, I'm gonna remind you. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. In this tent being the idea of our bodies is referred to sometimes in the scripture as a tent that we live in temporarily and then one day the tent gets folded up and put away and that's when we die 
and then we go on to be with the Lord. So he's talking about, as long as I am alive, I intend to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease, even after I die. So Peter is, is saying, you need to be reminded of things. I need to be reminded of things. Have you ever been in a sermon and heard things that you already knew? Well, why did you bother to come then? Because we need to be reminded, okay? Peter's very clear on that. In fact, let me just share with you how clear he is on that. He says, I'm gonna remind you. And he says, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to stir you up in reminding you. The word that's translated stir up there you get into the Greek language, look at it, it means to wake up from sleep. Who in here likes someone to come along and say, hey, wake up! <laughs> oh, what, what, what? Wake me up. All right? So then what if they come in and they wake you up on purpose and then they tell you something that you already know? <laughs> We're not happy with that, right? I, mean, that, I get the notion. But Peter says, you know what? That's exactly what I'm gonna do in your life. I, and it may not be pleasant, I'm gonna, st- I'm gonna wake you up and say, listen, you have gotta remember this. Uh, and then he says, I've set it up so that even after I die, you're gonna hear from me and be reminded. And I think that's probably this writing here that we have. Um, so how important does Peter think these things are? Really important, right? So much so that he's gonna tell us, even though we already know it, he's gonna remind us, and he's gonna remind us and wake us up to remind us, and after he dies, he says, I'm gonna make sure that you still get reminded. So these things that we're talking about, being on the road to heaven, because he, he's dealing with headed toward eternity. Like I said, he's coming to the end of his life, he's looking ahead and talking about where we're headed, and that's what he's talking about in his letter here. And this idea of saying, look, I'm gonna remind you, I'm gonna remind you, I'm gonna remind you, on the road to heaven, we need to pay attention now. Okay? A- anybody in here besides me ever thought, oh, I need to do something about this situation in my life, I need to do it, and, and it, tomorrow comes and I, you still haven't done it? And then next week comes and you still haven't done it? Six months, sometimes it's years, isn't it? And we know something needs to happen, but we haven't ever quite got to it? Well, what Peter's saying, don't do that with respect to these things that he's gonna talk to us about in his letter. Pay attention to them now, because it's gonna matter for how long? Forever, forever. And let me see if we can just plant in our minds a little bit of idea what that means. The shortness of this life compared to eternity. So if we took this Bible, before I said, we sing the the hymn Amazing Grace, when we've been there 10,000 years, right? And what, we haven't run out of days, we've only what, begun, we've only started 10,000 years, okay? Well, let's compare this Bible uh, as to an average lifetime of a human being, okay? And 10,000 years, we would talk about that, if we put this down on the floor, 10,000 years would be this building from this end to the clear to the far end, probably a little farther. Is this, how how long is this life compared to 10,000 years? Pretty short. What about 10 million years? What about 10, that gets hard, my brain hurts. But do you understand how, how short our lives are and how long they make a difference? So when do we need to pay attention? Now, not tomorrow. None of us have the guarantee that we finish this day out.
okay? So we need to pay attention to these things now. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him as we begin our study here in in 2 Peter that that he would speak to us. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, We praise you for your word. And you've told us that you've magnified your word even above your name and your name is so big and powerful and awesome. And here you said you've magnified your word above it. I pray that we would open our hearts and minds to you to speak to us from your word and that we would already settle in our hearts right now to say yes to you about whatever you would show us, whatever you would speak to us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, we begin today talking about a grand entrance to heaven. Uh, And this is what the Lord is going to do in our lives. Now, um, before I do that, how, how much control do you feel like you have over your life? Do we have some things we have control over? We have some things we have control over, but it's a lot of stuff we have no control over, don't we? It just happens to us. Well, the passage that we're going to look at today really presents two, two big, important things that we actually do have control over, okay? So let's, let's look and see what those things are. Uh, again, we're 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1 this time. And he says this, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And right here we find the first thing that we actually have control over. Uh, and that is our relation, whether or not we have a relationship with Christ. This is what he's talking about. We've obtained like precious faith. Ephesians says, for by grace have you been saved through what? Faith. He's talking about that. Uh, John uh, chapter 1, it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who what? Believe in his name. So this idea of being saved by faith. We have the opportunity to make that decision to trust Christ, to believe, to receive him as Savior. And so, here's what I want you to see. What you decide to believe about Christ in this life will determine your relationship with Christ in the life to come. And here's what I mean by that. If you or I, uh, we've all sinned before a holy God, we know that, we've disobeyed him, we've been self-centered, we haven't done what he says to do, we've done things he said we ought not to do, and on and on it goes, piles up deeper and, and higher. So we've all done that. If we die without receiving Christ as Savior, we face Christ as the great white throne judge who will demonstrate that we have sinned against the holy God and rightfully deserve the eternal condemnation we're going to receive. So see, if if we don't come to believe, and and by believe I mean place our faith and trust in Christ as Savior in this life, we don't get that opportunity in the next life. It's settled, and he will be judge, okay? However, if in this life we understand that we do need a savior, and, and we believe that Jesus, who the Bible says he was, and he did die for our sins and rise again, and then we believe it to the point where we trust and we receive Christ as savior, now when we step across the line into eternity, he's savior, isn't he? Because he was savior here. We received him as Savior here, therefore he is Savior when we get there. And of course, so much more, all right? But we have this 
ability to make this decision. And we're going to talk about some things later that I think will um, help us understand the importance of that. All right. Another thing that we do have control over, we're going to find this. Let's start in verse 5. He says, but also for this very reason, in other words, that God has given us everything we need. He's given us the word and he's, he's changing us if we cooperate with him. Verse five, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. That's quite a list, isn't it? Then he says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And verse number 11 is what I want us to focus on for a little bit here. He got the saying, you, you be diligent. You add these things to your life. And if you do that, verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Two words there. He says, for so an entrance will be supplied, and then the word abundantly. The word supplied means fully furnished. It's like if you went to a hotel room and they had everything that you need there, fully furnished. But abundantly communicates something more than that. Abundantly communicates richly furnished, lavishly furnished, luxuriously furnished. It'd be like checking into an all-inclusive five-star resort, okay? Where you end, not as, everything that you could ever want or need while you're staying there is provided for you there, and, and not at low quality, but at high quality. Do you get what we're talking about? And he says, this is the kind of entrance that is available to us in heaven. But it does depend on choices we make. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But that is the kind of thing that's available to us in heaven. And I would say to you that, that I don't think that uh, Peter here is really talking about physical things, although material things, it's hard to understand, material and spiritual in heaven and all that, okay? But I don't think he's talking about, you know, all streets of gold and this, that, and the other thing, that that's gonna be the most exciting thing. What he is going to lavish on us and fully furnish us with are, what you call internal things, psychological things, soul things. It's the idea of this, that, that when we enter into heaven, all of a sudden, in our minds, we will be engaged with so many different things, so many things that are true and, and new and different and, and right that, that our brains and our imaginations get excited. And, and it may be that, that all these questions we've had, all of a sudden we start, with, oh, we start putting the dots together, right? Connecting the dots. And there's this is mental, lavish thing that's happening to us. In our hearts, you know, when we have believed God and when we couldn't see it and we've gone ahead and, and chosen to love him and, and tried to live this out, but you know it's hard because we get discouraged and, and now all of a sudden we're there and then all of a sudden, wow, our hearts are filled with the reality of these things and we are so glad that we what? 
we did it, and, and it's, it's so, there's Jesus, and it's just so real to us. And then, um, even with our feelings, our feelings are kind of strange things once in a while, aren't they? You know, why is it that sometimes when we're the happiest, we cry? We get choked up, right? This is the emotional level. And what I want to say to you is that this, this emotional level, uh, you know, and the feelings that are there, it's just going to be luxurious emotionally, in a good way, okay, not in a bad way. And, and so all of these things, and then whatever other things that the Lord has for us that might be the normal things we think of about heaven. But this is what's available to us. Um, Tim Morway talked to me at the first service, and of course he likes to play baseball, and he says it's like this. He says it's going to be like this, you know, you hit the home run, and it goes over the fence, and he says for about 20, 25 seconds, you, you have this sense of, this is so cool, euphoria, and he says, that's just going to be like in heaven, but it's not going to stop. God is going to prevent us from being bored by ever showing us new and different. Okay, that's not what this sermon's about. But <laughs> it's important that we understand. This is what is available to us. But in this passage, he, he says, he lists these things, and he says, if these things are in you and abound, and then he takes us down to this place. So, a, a quick observation here. Not every Christian will have that experience that Peter's talking about here. Not every Christian. It will be heaven to every Christian. But the ones who are gonna experience this lavishly furnished, all that we've talked about and more, are those who have been diligent to do what Peter says here. You see that? Okay, all right. So let's begin to work our way back. So let me say this, here's, here's the point, the second thing that you have some control over. How you live on earth will affect what you experience when you arrive in heaven. Uh, I guess the idea is that, well, for what it's worth, so let's say that uh, we went to an art museum. And me, I really haven't studied much art at all. And what do I see on the wall? Paintings. Okay, I see paintings. What about someone who has studied art and knows the, the, about the painters themselves and the time in which they painted and the materials in which they used and, and what influenced them and governed them? When they go to the art museum, do they see more than I do? I have to hang around a long time in the art museum to catch up, wouldn't I? Well, I think that's what it's like when we go to heaven. If we have lived the way Peter's gonna talk about living here, we arrive already primed and ready to experience this. And if we don't, and by the way, the Bible doesn't say all these words I'm saying right now. I'm just trying to make sense of it. And to me it seems as that if we get there not primed, not ready, that we have a lot of catching up to do. Okay, and we won't experience when we arrive what Peter says is available to us, unless we do these things. Okay, so how you live on earth will affect what you experience when you arrive in heaven. Now, let me ask you a question, because we'll go back up here and work through these things. Is your life making a difference? We want our lives to make a difference, right? We want it to count, the things that we go through. We do want our lives to make a difference. And so up in verse number eight, um, Peter says, for if these things are yours and abound, 
this list of things we'll look at in a minute. He says, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right? So if we get serious about adding these things to our lives, we're not going to be barren. We're not going to be unfruitful. What we do is going to matter. What we do is going to make a difference. And we have this promise then uh, that Paul said in 1 Corinthians, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for knowing that your labor is what? Not in vain in the Lord. It matters. It makes a difference, okay? If we will take these things seriously, our lives will matter and will make a difference. How you live on earth will affect what you experience when you arrive in heaven. It affects it now as well. Verse number nine. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. All right? So he's saying this. If you don't focus on adding these things to your life, you're very short-sighted. You aren't thinking. You aren't thinking that, wait a minute, my life is very short compared to eternity. I better pay attention now. And he says, if you aren't paying attention now, you're short-sighted. If, if nothing else, all you're seeing is this. You aren't even seeing eternity. You're short-sighted. He says you need to, to think ahead, look down the line. Not only are you short-sighted, he says even to the point of blindness. You realize that the longer you live that way, short-sighted, that you may actually lose the ability to see down the line. You kind of deaden your sight. And then he says this, and when this happens, he says you've forgotten you were cleansed from your old sins. Um, if we forget what Jesus did for us, isn't that one of the most ungrateful things we could ever do? You know, and that's what he's saying. We're ungrateful if we aren't doing these things. And so, um, well, let's just talk about something here for just a minute. Some food for thought. Can Christians live like non-Christians? Can Christians live like they're not saved? No. Yeah. We know that because the Bible repeatedly tells us. Don't live like unsaved people. Don't think like unsaved people. Don't respond like unsaved people. Don't sorrow like unsaved people, okay? So we are capable of doing those things. Now, when a Christian doesn't live like a Christian and then continues to not live like a Christian and, you know, loses sight of things and forgets and we go on down the line, and if, if, here's what I say, if, if someone can live that way, not be bothered by it, I think we have a legitimate reason to say, did they ever truly receive Christ? Now, God knows people's relationships, right? I don't, you don't. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, someone could say the words to a prayer and not have their heart changed, right? Because that prayer is only supposed to be an expression of what's happening in the heart, that we're genuinely receiving Christ. And so if someone is just, can live like they're not a Christian and it just doesn't seem to matter and they aren't bothered by it, you know, not only could we maybe say maybe they aren't really saved, I think they ought to think maybe they aren't really saved. What's going on here? And address that issue. And, and that's, if, if you're here today, man, and that's you, don't leave that way. Right now, say, oh God, you know, I need to know this. And I guess what we're going to say to you is don't make anyone wonder if you're a Christian. 
Don't make yourself wonder if you're a Christian. This is what Peter challenges us in this next verse. In verse 10, he says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. He said, Oh, here, be diligent to add these things. And he says, Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Make it so obviously that without a doubt I am a Christian because of how I'm living my life from my heart and what God is doing in my life. There's no doubt. No one else would have to doubt it if they would look at it, and you don't have to doubt it. And so this reminds us that what you decide to believe about Christ in this life will determine your relationship with Christ in the life to come. So make sure that's settled for you. And then live like it. Live like it's true. All right. So how do we then get to this place, this verse 11 now? We've got to go back to verse 5. He says, but also for this very reason, he tells us to add these things to our lives. Add faith. I start with faith. Add virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Because if these things are in you and abound, then you get to experience that entrance into heaven, a grand entrance into heaven. So what are these things? What are we talking about? Well, faith is this idea of believing God, and it's the quality of belief that not only knows it, acts, right? It trusts, it acts upon these things. This is faith. That's the starting point for a relationship with Christ. That's the starting point for sanctification every time, believing what God says and acting on it, okay? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Add to your faith virtue. The word that's translated virtue here communicates this idea of, of a heartfelt commitment to live out this faith. It's, it's I want to excel at living out my faith. That's what virtue's about. It's, it's going all in with the Lord on these things. And then knowledge is this idea, it's not just random facts, it's, it's, it's seeing the world the way God says that it is, right? It's being in his word and, and learning, you know, how do I look at people? How do I look at finances? How do I look at uh, anything in life? And learning to see it the way God says it is, see what God is doing, what his purposes are. Even like Peter saying, hey, we're headed somewhere, we're headed for eternity, pay attention now. Seeing things that way, that's the knowledge. Self-control, um, when we see self-control and actually all these things, we might tend to think that this is these, and let me just, can I just put a parenthesis here? You guys okay with that? It may not be grammatically correct, but I'm putting a parenthesis in my sermon. This list can look like a do-it-yourself self-help list. That's not what God has given us. This is very much like the fruit of the Spirit. We have to have God produce these things in our lives. Same with these. We need to cooperate with him, desire them, make decisions that are consistent with it, but we need him to, to change us, right? So we're dependent on God for these things. Okay, but we have to, our responsibility is to say yes and go for it. And so when I self, say self-control, I don't mean self-control apart from God. I mean, God enabling me to exercise self-control. And what we mean is this, it's that I, I can say no to myself even though I don't feel like saying no to myself. I can say yes to myself even when I don't feel like saying yes to something. I can say, no, I am going to wait even though I don't feel like waiting, okay? So this is, we're surrendering to God and bringing this self-control in. Perseverance uh, communicates this idea of Enduring, 
Uh, but not just enduring, not like enduring like, oh, enduring, enduring. No, it's enduring with a joyful heart, a joyful attitude, because I'm seeing time and God's working the way God sees it. It's, I'm going through this. The Lord is bringing me through this. And so I continue with him and trust him and rest in him and rejoice in what he's doing in my life, perseverance. Godliness, think God-likeness, Okay, and, and what we're talking about is drawing close to the Lord in such a way that our lives become more and more filled with him and who he is and what he's like. So it begins to change us to where now we start responding more like he would respond. We start thinking more like he would think. And from the heart, we're becoming more like him, a godly person. Uh, brotherly kindness is this affection for other people. Uh, and and so it's where we value them, value them simply because they are a person. God is behind that. Every human being, there's something of value to know in that person. Even the people we would think are the worst people, there's something of value there. How do we know that? Because Jesus died for them. And so we have this brotherly affection and valuing people. And then finally, love. And love is where we, we're making this conscious choice to act in someone's best interests, even if it's personally costly to us, because that's how Jesus loved us. All right? And so he says, these are the things, if we will be diligent to work at adding these to our lives, then all these other things come into play. Our lives won't be barren or unfruitful. We're gonna uh, never stumble. It'll be so obvious that we, we know the Lord. And then when this life comes to an end, we get this grand entrance into heaven. Did you see how you can make a choice? this to be reality you got to work diligently at those things and and one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to put together for you a bookmark that has these qualities on it and you can stick it in your Bible and look at them every now and then evaluate yourself how am I doing on this you know what what's am I growing in this or not you can also when you read something in the Bible go oh yeah that kind of fits here and then you can Consciously continue to work on adding these things to your life. So those two things today we saw in this passage of scripture. What you decide to believe about Christ in this life will determine your relationship with Christ in the life to come. And then how you live on earth will affect what you experience when you arrive in heaven. You can have a grand entrance to heaven.